Welcome to the Barrel Room Chronicles. I'm Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward, former bartender, and all-around whiskey aficionado. I travel the world to explore whiskey from every avenue. For the last 20 years, I've been helping others tell their stories through television, film, and other media. But now, I'm taking my love for whiskey and my experience in the entertainment industry to uncover the fascinating stories of the water of life. So kick off your shoes, pour yourself a dram, and join me for this episode of Barrel Room Chronicles. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. VinoVest is changing that. Wine has one-third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualized returns, proving that the returns can be just as robust as your favorite red. It is so easy to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. VinoVest makes it easy to acquire new investments. Equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell, and even drink them whenever you want. Go to httpzen.ai slash barrelroomchronicles to receive two months of fee-free investing. Be sure to mention that Barrel Room Chronicles is helping you save on two months of management fees. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. It is 5 o'clock somewhere, and you've tuned into episode 12 of BRC. For those of you who'd like to watch this episode, it's available on our website, YouTube, and Spotify. Today in our Club Corner segment, I'll chat with Scotch Club founder Andy Smith about building the club one city at a time. But first, I speak with the bitter housewife herself, Genevieve Brazelton, about her inspiring product line in today's Tales from the Still. Today on Barrel Room Chronicles, we have the pleasure of speaking with Genevieve Brazelton from The Bitter Housewife. Genevieve, welcome. Thank you for having me, Carrie. Happy to be here. I'm so glad you are here. As I was saying off offline, uh, it was kind of serendipitous that we have you because literally the day before I heard from your people, I was at a bar for the first time in months and I'm looking at the refrigerator and it's Dr. Sodas. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. I should have one of those. And then somebody started talking to me and I forgot. But um, <laughs> when I came home, I had this email from you and I'm so excited to have you on the show. <clears throat> and the product is fantastic looking. I haven't tasted it yet. We'll do that a little bit later. But I wanted to find out more about how you came up with the product, your, well, we usually say whiskey journey, but we'll, in this case, we'll say spirits and beverage journey. Um, mm-hmm. How did you come to be the bitter housewife? <laughs> well, first I have to ask what bar you were in that actually has the bitters and soda. It is called The Other Door. It's in Burbank, California. Oh, I I know it quite well. Do we're you? actually uh my husband is is very longtime friends with the the owner. With Ari? Um, yes, yes, with Ari. Yep. There is only a handful of bars that have the bitters and soda, and I know you're not in Portland, so I know like, who is that. Yes, Ari has been a longtime supporter of of our journey. So yes, that's awesome. So serendipitous. Yes. Anyway, the bitter housewife. Yes, I am. Generally, most people figure out pretty quickly. Uh, neither very bitter nor a housewife, but you know, I still think. We all have a little bitter housewife in us. 
Uh, I definitely do. And that may be a whole nother conversation, but uh, I'll get the, the therapist uh, on the line. Hold on a second. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my, my whiskey spirits bitter journey started, oh, who knows when, but I have a, a long history in, in restaurants, you know, grew up in and around them with parents that worked in, in various restaurant kitchens and family run restaurants. And then of course I decided I wanted to uh, be an, an editor and went to school to get my master's in writing and undergrad and in, in creative writing. So I've been waiting tables and bartending, you know, quite a bit because you have to pay the bills somehow. Exactly. So, but the the bitter housewife journey really started with me wanting to get back to that writing, actually. And I started a blog called On Becoming a Housewife, which was my little tongue in cheek of finding myself in my my mid thirties, um, with uh, had just gotten married and a husband that was actually mostly supporting me the first time that I wasn't fully supporting myself and really kind of exploring that. So it was a little bit of like urban homesteading, um, but also entertaining with a 50s vibe. And nice. I made cocktail bitters as something to write about on the blog with no intentions beyond that whatsoever. Uh, but it turned out they were really good. <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, I, I now Angostura, I has, I've been ruined for Angostura. It, it tastes too just, you know, sharp and not quite right. And I set on the path of trying to make the perfect bitters for an old fashioned, cause that is my favorite cocktail. And that is a hard drink. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that is what is now the aromatic bitters that I know that you have, the old-fashioned aromatic bitters. You know, six or seven recipes. I finally had what I thought was the best bitters and uh, for the way that I like my old fashions, which is with a little bit of orange and cherry muddled in the bottom. Uh, not quite a full Wisconsin fruit salad, but a little <laughs> bit of fruit. And, uh, uh, but I like a spicy rye and I really wanted to play that up with the spice in the bitters, but I didn't want a lot of fruit in the bitters cause I do like a little in the glass. So it's got some dried cherry, but it's also got fresh ginger and cinnamon and nutmeg and all spice, all that good stuff. But I had made these bitters and my husband and I were having old fashions both at a point in our lives where we're like, okay, we're not particularly happy with our jobs. What do we want to do? Kind of daydreaming about possible new things. And he said, do you think we could make a business out of selling bitters? Because these are really good. And I was like, I have no idea, but we should call it the Bitter Housewife. <laughs> and that was it. My fate was sealed. So he did a quick Google check and somehow it was not taken as a business name in San Francisco at the time. That's where we were. And then I, we started doing, you know, some research about, you know, what a business would look like, how many others were out there, all that kind of stuff. And my mind is very much the creative side. Uh, so I was like, well, what's it going to look like? And went down that path and Took that, took a couple years, but then we had the product that you now have in your hands. 
and Fantastic. So how many different, uh, here's one of the, here's the bitters that I have. And how Ooh. many different flavors of bitters do you have on, in your line? We currently have eight bitters flavors oh, wow. in our line. Yeah. We have kind of what we call our, our core, which is the aromatic, then an orange, cardamom, um, a grapefruit, a lime coriander, and then a barrel aged version of the aromatic. And then we have two more premium bitters that are um, collaborations with a couple local uh, distillers. We have one is Westward Whiskies. Um, we work with them on a hazelnut bitters. Oh, wow. And then we um, just partnered up with Rogue Distillery for the Dead Guy Chicory Bitters. Dead Guy Chicory. Launch. Yeah. Those those turned out really awesome. Um, I'm I'm... I mean, I love all of, you know, I love all of my children. Um, They all are unique, but of course the new shiny one, you kind of, you start playing with it and still in the winter, that's like a, you know, coffee and chocolate notes, although it has no coffee, it's all from the chicory and uh, dandelion. So, wow. I'm after I just smelled this for the first time and I was reading somewhere that, that you believe in cherries from Manhattans as well. Is that? I do. Okay, yes. good. So Brandy usually, I, I usually uh, replace. I don't use maritano cherries, but I use the, uh, you know, the the good ones. The um, Luxardos. Yes, the yeah. Luxardos or um, Traverse Distillery in the Midwest. They have great cherries. Oh, awesome! Yeah. But I always make my Manhattans, perfect Manhattans, with cherry bitters. So that's what I'm going to try with this later. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. From conception of your drinking with your husband one night, a couple of drinks, to okay, we're going to do this. How long did it take you to get started, basically? We kind of, you know, we had a lot of different phases of rolling it out. There was first recipe testing and trying to find a kitchen space and figuring out what licensing. Um, and that was, that probably took us about a year, year and a half. Okay. Um, licensing for bitters is interesting because nobody knows what to do with you. Right. Like, well, are you a spirit? No, not really. Well, but you have an alcohol base, so there's some legislation that goes along right. with that. So before we were fully on shelf, ready to sell to people, that was about two years. Okay. We also threw a move to Portland, Oregon in there, which, you know, then set us back a little because we had to start some of that licensing all over again. And what what prompted that move? uh, I got pregnant and our um, little one bedroom attic apartment in San Francisco wasn't quite going to work and we couldn't afford anything else. Uh, And my husband has family up here in Portland and my family's all up in Seattle. So it felt, it felt like a good place to be. And it ended up being an awesome place to be. The the biz, small business community, especially the food mm-hmm. business community here, is amazing. So supportive, and I don't. We couldn't have done it without the local brewers and distillers and various other folks. You know, so yeah. So, so how long have you been in Portland now? Now we've been here. Uh, I guess going on eight years. Okay. My boy is now seven. And, wow. Uh, yeah. They grew he up was so actually, quick. yeah, he was born three months before we delivered our first wholesale order to uh, New Seasons Market here in Portland. Oh, nice. So, 
Yeah, we don't, you know, it's like, we don't mess around. We're going to do it all, all at once. I guess. You're like <laughs> delivering the baby. It's okay. Here, let me sign off that delivery sheet, please. <laughs> yeah. I'm delivering Great. everything now. The drinks, the kid. <laughs> all of it. All of it. Yeah. So I love was, that. Uh, it's been a wild ride and, and it still is, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Now let's talk about your husband. Is he like full partner with you or is he still have a day job? No, he is full partner. He actually ended up full time in the business before me. Oh, wow. Um, he really manages the operations side. We always like to say that, uh, you know, the, the business wouldn't exist without either one of us, without the both of us together. I come up with the flavors and the brand is all me, but he makes it all go. And I don't really think I would have on my own, and, <laughs> you know. Uh, I also joke he's the kind of person that jumps off the cliff and builds the airplane as he's falling, and I make at least ten versions of it before I even look over the edge. So, <laughs> you know, we kind of find that in between and make it go. Awesome. <laughs> now, do you manufacture everything all in Portland, or do you have things done other places, or where's your cannery and all that stuff? Yeah, everything now is it is in Portland. We make. Yeah, we do all the bitters and the base for the bitters and soda, the the canned product. Ourselves, we do hand off the base to a local canner who then basically just waters it and carbonates it, puts it in cans for us. We don't have our own canning line. However, we do end up working it on occasion because <laughs> uh, that's how it goes. Exactly. Um, but we're still, yeah, bottling all of our bitters. We label everything by hand because we thought that awesome flat flask bottle was the best thing. And I still love it, but it's really hard to get a labeler for that. So I bet, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it, this, I mean, first of all, I love the labels. I love the, the whole design about the labels. Um, and I, I think it works flat. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know. It works. I think it works. Yeah. I have no intention of changing the bottles, but you know, so every once in a while you realize like, oh, that's why not everybody does this. That's <laughs> why they're all in those Boston rounds. Right, uh -huh. right. <laughs> what are your plans for the future? And do you plan on, you know, do you make any like Christmas time special bitters or are you planning to keep making other flavors or are you just going to go with this? And then also, how do you promote your canned stuff? So I was on the website and I saw a whole bunch of recipes, which in a minute here, we're going to try, kind of try to one of them because I have one of the wrong ingredients, but we'll see if we can make it work. Um, <laughs> but uh, so what, what are your plans for the next five years at the company? Yeah, we have really shifted a lot of our energy uh, to the bitters and soda. So that is a canned um, bitters and soda. It is what it is, um, but it is zero alcohol and zero sugar. So we actually make a different base. It is not just our bitters dealkalized, but mostly because that is the type of product that you know, the the loyal fans are drinking a can a day. They're going through a case a month where yeah. even loyal bitters fans are, you know, they're still, it takes them a month to go through a bottle. Oh, yeah, because you, know? you don't put as much you in just it. use a little. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we have a few people who put it on everything and maybe they go through two or two or three bottles, but there's not that many of them. So some um, people use it like hot sauce. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Put it on everything. Oh, yeah. We, we, you know, we have ours in the kitchen often. So there's lots of different ways to do it. But 
I love creating flavors. So I think I will always continue to do that. And, you know, this past year, we kind of extended ourselves and launched a whole bunch of new things. We did two new flavors of the bitters and soda, both the cardamom and grapefruit were launched last year. And we did the dead guy bitters as well as then doing sampler sets so that people can have little teeny bottles to taste all of our flavors. And we're like, okay, we're never doing that many again. <laughs> I was like, that's very busy. <laughs> that's a little much. How many employees but, do you have that were helping you out with this? Uh, at the time we had three other employees. We were a whole team of five. Oh yeah. my goodness. That's oh. a lot of work for five people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, like as far as the bitters go, I, the cocktail bitters, I love the collaborations with, with distilleries. That is a ton of fun to find one of their products and really use that as inspiration for a bitters flavor that just, you know, is really goes well and can do a bunch of different things with it. Um, so far, I've only done that with whiskeys. I want to do that with a gin or with a tequila or a mezcal, you know, just to spread it out and get some yeah. fun flavors. Have you talked to Jill over at Friedman Spirits? We, uh, Freeland, we've sorry, definitely Freeland. connected. Yeah, Freeland. We've connected a number of times. I have not reached out to them about a bitters collaboration, but I have thought about it because I was like, they oh, there's some, Geneva. That uh, yeah, I was like, the Geneva is, is top notch. And Molly over there, she does a really good job making that stuff. She's a yes. mom now too. So. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah. No. I, yeah. It, it happens, you know? Yeah. Not to um, me. <laughs> not to everybody. No. It's a, it's a, Yeah. <laughs> it's a choice. My dog is my pup. He's my baby. I don't, I don't need any, I, I'm an auntie to everybody else's kids, my sister's kids, my best friend's kids, but I can <laughs> give them back. So that, you know, that's the key that you forget. You don't get to give your own back. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Oh, I'm tired now. Are you coming to pick her up? <laughs> and my friend's like, I'm exhausted. She hasn't slept in days. Oh Yeah. I know. That's why I was one. That's it. And I'm like, <laughs> we're going to take a break real quick while I go get all the ingredients to make this lovely drink. But when all we right. get back, we'll, uh, we'll t do some little tasting. So hang tight. There's nothing better than the smell of coffee in the morning. What if you could enjoy a coffee subscription of fresh roasted specialty coffee while making a difference in the lives of farmers that grow it? What if you also had access to a virtual coffee community of other coffee lovers and the coffee farmer and roaster? That's all part of the Farm to Cup Coffee Club subscription at Unleashed Coffee. Subscribe today. UnleashedCoffee.com Okay, and we are back. And I have today the bitters uh, and soda orange flavor. Mm-hmm as well as the aromatic. So I was looking on your website for all these fantastic recipes. And of course, I didn't have most of the ingredients. And I thought, oh, <laughs> I shopping because some of these sounded really good. Um, but I did see one called the Americana, which I do have most of the ingredients. I have the Campari, but I don't have sweet vermouth. I only have dry vermouth. So I don't know how that's going to taste. But, you know, I'll try it. Yeah. We'll see how it does. Because, you know, dry vermouth is still kind of sweet. So it might, it might be, you know, it's just a little less cherry and a, maybe a little more well, then I, 
then I may have to add some of that. Yeah, true. We'll just do a little. Okay, so I need a 1.5 ounces of the Campari. Let's get this guy. Oh, that's a beautiful color. This is going to be a pretty drink. <laughs> Campari makes everything pretty. Yep. All right, then I need 1.5 of the vermouth. Okay, four, six. Well, I'm going to use this. Yeah, so the bitters and soda is a little different than the the bitters. So you might want to just start with like an an ounce or so and see how that tastes. Okay. Because it is definitely perceptibly more bitter because there's no sugar in it, where our cocktail bitters do have a little bit of sugar. Okay. So. But I can see that working because it's a little, yeah, the aromatic bitters and soda is a little different too. And with the dry vermouth and uh, the Campari. Yeah, a little finger swirl. Oh, actually, no, that works. That does work. That's great. Refreshing little spritzer kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Now, the other thing I wanted to try is I have this beautiful Junipero Gin. Hanipero gin, I like to call it, but it's mm-hmm. Junipero gin from uh, San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to try this with the orange. Mm-hmm. And that too may be because there's, you know, it's funny. That's the thing about the bitters and soda that we keep kind of telling people is the lots of folks are used to bitter, but not with absolutely no sweetness so sometimes it does taste like it's missing something but i could i could see that where you just want like a little touch of you know agave syrup or a little simple or something just to round out the edges (laughs) and i think too as we were talking offline i think that it would depend on which gin you're using also like if you have one that's a, a lot of different flavors you know, basis versus like a dry gin. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I just put a dash of the, uh, of the cherry bitters in that. And that, that was just enough to get that sweetness. A little, little touch. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is fantastic. And I'm going to drink the rest of these cans straight out of the can because they're, they're great flavors. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, these are so fun. So, what is your, what's your market right now? Like where, how many states are you in? How many cities are you in or countries, dare I say? Yeah, actually even a few countries. Um, we are, the bitters and soda is a little bit newer product. Uh, we just launched that at the end of 2019. Um, so you can find us scattered across the U.S. in select little specialty stores, but we're primarily in in Oregon and Washington with that. Okay. The bitters, on the other hand, we've been doing for seven years, and we do sell. Um, we're not distributed out of the outside of the Northwest um, in any mass chains, but we sell to a lot of small specialty food um, and and small grocery chains across the country. So. Um, <clears throat> that uh you know 
I think we're in all 50 states. If not, we're maybe like in 48. But I mean, I know we've got a store in Hawaii and, you know, even the the few little outliers. Um, But we also have some presence in Canada. We sell through Crafty Bartender up there. Okay. um, Which definitely makes getting through customs, if any Canadian listeners are interested, (laughs) much easier than buying direct from us. Yeah. Uh, and we do have some presence in Japan also. Oh, wow. Well, this has been very exciting. Thank you so yeah. much, Genevieve, for coming on and talking with me and giving us all this information about your your cans and your bitters. And I can't wait to see what other flavors come out. And I have, I, you know, I have seen these in the store for sure. So um, yeah. I'm very excited. To me, my favorite drink last year during the summer was orange bitters and soda and um, about four to six ounces and then like two ounces of sweet vermouth nice. on ice. Just nice, easy, you know, spritzer and it's nice and bitter, touch of sweet, but not too much. And yet you can have a couple of them and not really feel it because it's just vermouth. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Club Corner is up next. Stay with us. Hey guys, we're back, finally, after COVID-19. I'm Carrie. I'm Philip. I'm Louise, I'm the chef. Chef Louise Leonard, as in Whiskey, A Chef's Journey. That chef. Yes, we started shooting just before the pandemic lockdown, and now today, our very first day, you are catching us on set, and we would love to talk to you about how you can help get us from here to your TV set. The thing is, we've run out of money. We mounted a pre-production campaign, which was very successful. Thank you very much for that. But now we're back into production and we need your support for this phase. You supported this uh, the first go round, or if you didn't, we welcome your support this time. The thing is, we want to take this show around the world, quite literally. Quite literally. And that takes money. So won't you help us get this to market? You can visit whiskeyachefsjourney.com for all of the information you're going to need to help us realize this project. Well, I think it's a cheers to that. (laughs) Cheers. Today on the show, I have Andy Smith, the founder of the Scotch Club. Um, I know Andy from his founding days of the LA Scotch Club, which I believe is the first branch but Andy, uh, welcome to the show. And please do tell us about your whiskey journey and the Scotch Club journey. Okay, Scotch Club. So let's rewind back to about 2003. I was had just moved to Pasadena. My neighbor had just moved to Pasadena. None of us had uh, any friends in Los Angeles. None of us, uh, neither of us were particularly good at getting new friends. <laughs> so we had each other. And he was uh, a cottage court neighbor, so we're very close. So we started to begin a uh, a uh, weekly scotch tasting. Uh, I forget why it was scotch that we chose. We just wanted to get together and do something. Uh, probably Scott knew more than me, but I had just been to Scotland on a whirlwind trip all over all over the the country that took me to every corner of Scotland and zero distilleries. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a sad story, yes. So 
Scott Sakely and I started to drink uh, once a week. We started with simple blends uh, and eventually we got into single malts. We, we began perhaps at, at, at the, the Pasadena bars. We eventually find, found something called Mission, uh, Mission Liquor uh, in Pasadena, a fantastic shop. And it was the first time we ever saw the wall of scotch, just a whole nice. wall with nothing but scotch. We literally, and I don't mean this figuratively, we literally fell to our knees. And of course, back then, all the prices were on sticky notes. You don't want to know the prices because those are 2004 prices. Uh, just, just, just put it this way, there was one less zero. In some cases, two less zeros on it. Uh, so we, we started drinking better scotch, uh, but of course we had to split uh, one bottle amongst two people. And after about uh, a year or two of drinking with each other, we came to realize that maybe we wanted to drink with someone else. Um, no offense to each other, but we were tired of all our stories. Uh, there's only so much you can hear from one person. Uh, and we also wanted to try better, more and better whiskey. We could not afford to try every single thing we wanted uh, just by splitting it in two. There, the stuff we were starting to get in, interested in was far too, uh, too expensive. So we decided to start a club uh, we, we, we started the, uh, possibly the worst, uh, the worst website in the history of websites. Um, our first iteration, we're on four now, of the Los Angeles Single Malt Scotch Whiskey Club. I think that was our total, full name. It took us uh, many, many, many months to, to get a mailing list. Mind you, this is before Facebook. There were no social groups. We had to actually start a website and hope that people eventually Googled Scotch and Club and Los Angeles, um, which is what we had been trying for years, but we only got whiskey a go-go, so we had to start our own club. Um, so eventually we did get enough people and we had uh, a grand beginning uh, in downtown Los Angeles. I believe Casey's was our first host. We had five people. Yes, five people, including me and Scott. So we, 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 we gained three more. Um, but uh, word got around and soon uh, LA Scotch Club, as, uh, as uh, our friends, the uh, uh, dear past friend, uh, Sam Haber said, you know, you don't have to say single malt whiskey club. You, there's not going to be a, a, a Los Angeles blend club to right. compete against you. Uh, just call it LA scotch club and uh ever since then we've been la scotch club uh that went on for years we got bigger and bigger We're, of course now the biggest uh scotch club uh probably any whiskey club really uh in the country and, and i take that uh number by real members that really show up to things and aren't just facebook people um uh we have started new branches uh Atlanta, one of our members, Jack Smith, went to Atlanta, opened the, uh, the Metro Atlanta Scotch Club. We had uh, a gentleman open the Orange County Scotch Club, and uh, eventually he ceded that over to us to, to run. It's, it's difficult to run a club. Um, and then, of course, I moved to San Diego Scotch Club, uh, excuse me, to move to San Diego. And my wife cheerfully thought, that's the end of LA Scotch Club. Wrong. It was <laughs> no. just the beginning of San Diego Scotch Club and the continuation of LA Scotch Club. 
And of course we are, and I'm just going to have to, to go down the, the, uh, the board tonight. Uh, the West Coast, we, are, we, we have a Seattle club, a San Francisco club, Los Angeles Scotch Club, Orange County Scotch Club, San Diego Scotch Club. We've started Denver. One of, those, one of the gentlemen, Steve Granovitz, uh, Grantowitz, who was at our very first Scotch tasting in Los Angeles, moved to Denver, and now he runs the Denver Scotch Club. So we, we have a burgeoning St. Louis Scotch Club, and believe it or not, tonight, as we speak, Maybe not as you've watched this video, but as we speak is the very first tasting of the Austin Scotch Club, Austin, Texas. Nice. So I, dear, I hope I, I, I hope I haven't min missed any clubs, but uh, sorry if I did. That's a lot. So how long was it just the LA Scotch Club before it started getting more branches? I would say Jack moved probably about four or five years after after he joined so let's say five years that's when the orange county and actually orange county was first now think about it because jack was helping with that so maybe four years after la scotch club orange county started and then the next year jack started the metro atlanta scotch club in in uh, atlanta and then i moved to san diego in 2016 to start the has it been that long? Actually, I had a job. I had a real job that, that brought me down to San Diego, but uh, I started the San Diego Scotch Club in 2016, and from there, uh, it's just sort of blossomed. Blossom, yeah. I can't. I can't believe you've been gone since 2016. That seems like just yesterday you moved out. Yeah, and now I'm oh. now I'm leaving again. Just for the record, if anyone's watching this in uh, Washington D.C., I'm moving to Northern Virginia this summer. And I'm assuming you're going to open a new club in that part of the world, part of the country, get things going. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> I think if she doesn't know that's happening already, then uh, we may need <laughs> to call the doctor. I know. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I think I joined the LA Scotch Club. What year was that? What, was, what year was the, the year we did it at, uh, had the Pete and Meeton at, at uh, UCLA? UCLA, so we did it four times in UCLA. Okay, the last so one. So the last one, which was probably the biggest, we had 270 yeah. attendees. Yeah, that was pretty big. Um, that would have been 2013. Okay, so that's when I joined the Scotch Club. Hey! 2013, yeah, that seems right. So I remember I had been into whiskey for a few years at this point, and I was at a barbecue with some people and one of the girls there said, oh, you like whiskey, don't you? I said, yeah, I do. She goes, oh, you should go down to, a, to Seven Grand. They have like a whiskey tasting thing. And I was like, wait, what? What is the Seven Grand? So she told me about the bar and uh, I, I went down that New Year's just to check it out. And then I, I saw the Jackalope Room and found out about the Whiskey Society. So then I signed up and I got myself, you know, into the club and my first tasting there, I ran into Bino and Sam, and they were both members of the LA Scotch Club. And they said, oh, you should join the LA Scotch Club. I said, wait, there's an LA Scotch Club? They said, of course there is. I said, oh, I got to try this. So then I immediately joined that group. And then from that group, I found out about another group. And from that group, I found out about another group. So it, it, just as, as your, your expansions have started snowballing, uh, me finding out about more and more clubs also had snowballed. Um, but this one has always been my favorite. 
So <laughs> I'm I'm very glad that I've been a member. Thank you. And, Sorry to uh, all the others. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we will definitely miss you here on the uh, West Coast when you head off to D.C., so I, I do hope you plan to come at least once or twice a year for big events like Burns Night or something. Hopefully, I'll be visiting more often. My new job has a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, time uh, off, so oh, that's good. I'm thinking maybe, maybe five or six times a year I might hit the coast. Oh, that'd be this great. Coast. That'd be great. Okay, so um, other than the expansion in the D.C. area, do you see any other cities coming, like maybe New York, New Jersey, uh, Boston, anything up in that region to start? Well, I have already designed a uh, New York logo, and we do already have a Facebook page. We just need to have people populate it. There you go. Uh, turns out New York's a smaller town than I thought, and I, we just can't pe get people to join. Interesting. But, uh, maybe, maybe if some people hear this, uh, you'll realize we're going to start a New York Scotch Club uh, pretty soon. I'll be close enough to actually do it. Uh, I hear I can take a train up. Trains uh, are fun. So uh, I there's I, I heard it's a drinking town. I'm guessing. I mean, pretty, I, I drank when I went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a few people there. I figure we could probably get at least 20 people. How many people does New York have now? Uh, millions. I don't know. All right. Well, it was. Well, well, I think I think we can probably get ten or twenty. Yeah, I it'll be yeah. good. Scotch guys, come on over. Right. All right, Andy. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Club Corner on the Barrel Room Chronicles. It was great talking to you and catching up and finding out the history of the LA Scotch Club slash Scotch Club slash 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 all the other clubs. Um, and thank you again for joining us. And good luck with the move. The clean history of the LA Scotch Club. Right. Yes. I. Yes, I'm saving the dirty history for actual Scotch Club participants to hear at the actual yeah, that, meetings. Uh, so, with that uh, speaking, we we have we have unlike other other clubs, we actually have an official lifetime membership. So, if you want yes. to hear the dirty history of the uh, LA Scotch Club, you'll have to become a lifetime member. Great. And speaking of becoming a member, where would people find you if they wanted to log in, log on, and join the clubs? If you want to find anything. Uh, about Scotch Club, then go to scotchclub.com. S-C-O-T-C-H-C-L-U-B dot com. Nice. We got it. So every, any, anything that we're doing, you're going to find there. Andy, again, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really enjoyed having you here on the Barrel Room Chronicles in our Club Corner section of the show. And uh, we'll see you soon. Slotcha. For show notes on today's episode, please visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you really liked it and want to show your support, buy us a whiskey through our Kofi site. If you work in the whiskey industry or run a whiskey bar or club, and you'd like to be featured on Barrel Room Chronicles, register to be a guest through our website. Thanks for joining me, and until next time, Salajava. Barrel Room Chronicles is a production of First Real Entertainment and is distributed by Anchor FM and is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.